title of the Dharma talk this evening is the illusion or illusion of control. There, there is such a thing as control and there is such a thing as and when those come together, uh, you're wrong. <laughs> now, what seems to happen with control is that because of our activity all day long, just to uh, pick a simple situation, we look over and see the glass. So we move our hand and we pick up the glass and we control the glass and we take a drink. We sit it back down and everything works smoothly. We've actually had an intention, had an idea, and we've, we pulled it off. Um, we actually controlled that situation in the sense that we picked up the glass, took a drink, put it back, total control over that glass. I mean, it, this is a saying that of course you could have slipped and it could have dropped and, and so on, or, or the lights could have gone off in the building and the power went down. There's just all kinds of things that could happen. But quite often, very simple things like that, we keep getting reinforced. The illusion of control keeps getting reinforced by the, the very relative and limited control that we do have, that we keep doing it over and over again. It, but it seems that, that uh, the illusory quality starts to show up in areas where we can't get the result we want. But we keep working at it. We keep trying to not think something. There's a good example of uh, as if you can just not think or not feel. I, sometimes we even say to each other, well, I don't want you to think that. Or else, you know, well, I don't want you to feel that way. <laughs> I mean, as if we could add some control over what somebody was feeling. So the idea with the topic uh, of, uh, here is to uh, encourage you to look more closely at the very nature of control, the very nature of, of the, what happens in the mind when we are endeavoring to exert some kind of say-so or control or create some kind of an outcome. Um, this outcome, pardon me, this outcome is often um, if not all the time, based on the assumption um, that we know what's going on. We know what's happening. We know what's coming. We know what's leaving. We know what's showing up. We know what's valuable. We know what's not so valuable. And we want to come in there and move things around. It's pretty overwhelming. And the underlying issue there, the underlying misunderstanding there, basis of that delusion is that there is someone and there is something else. So when we interact in that way, we, we actually ignore dependent origination because we assume that I'm picking up the glass control. I'm putting the glass back down. Uh, the glass slipped and, uh, and spilled water. Whoops. I lost control. No, you didn't look closely at this. These are very simple Examples. I am endeavoring in my simple way to encourage you to see what this is fundamentally rather than 
try to think your way into some kind of understanding that is just going to be uh, circular, or if not circular, uh, it may look, as I sometimes say, it looks like a straight line, looks like you're going right towards it, but you notice that you never get to it because there's another turn to make. Well, I'll be, uh, I, I've almost got it. If I can understand the, the thinking process is powerful that way. <clears throat> Sometimes we actually go back and read a Dharma book of uh, certain lines in a Dharma book, because the feeling of understanding is much more seductive, powerful, and circular than the actual understanding. Good place for questions, so we don't have to start with that right away. But uh, I'm I'm very interested in talking about this, but I really would like to do it with, with you and your questions as much as possible. So I can take those at any time and still continue to stay on this particular topic. Go ahead, Carl. Very good. The illusion of someone and the illusion of, of, of something else and the, the movement or uh, the intention to drink the water, it looks like that is someone controlling that. And, but it is actually dependent origination. It's, it's just misunderstood because of the cover-up we call me, uh, the cover-up we call that. The, the, the function there is has the illusion of someone controlling something. And there's there's something to that. There, that, there is that illusion, and that is, uh, seems uh, authentic, seems, uh, um, uh, seems like it's actually the case, that it's, uh, it's true. And it is. It's relatively true. But looking at that much more deeply, you will begin to see that Anything that is showing up as this causing that, causing that, is doing that, but it is it is uh, much, much more extensive than that. And the actual self that arises is also dependently arisen. So the person you think that you are, you have you have some kind of a autonomy or have some kind of a, a choice about things. This is where choicelessness comes in. It's not that you can't make choices, but you're making choices based on dependent origination, not based on some kind of a um, sovereignty that grants you, uh, makes you the, the Lord of the three realms or the six realms or the eight realms where you suddenly have all this say-so. You, you have, if you, if you have say-so, then you, it, it arises uh, uh, with a, excuse me, with dependent origination. It, it, it arises in that area where there is no separation. There's just the, the dependency. There's just the, um, it's, it's difficult to put into words because we have to go back into the what relative construct that shows up as this and that and up and down and back and forth and all of the, all of those things. So further. Teresa Bowen. Teresa. What is it about thinking that we understand the Dharma that's so seductive, Bowen? Well, 
Well, you could say that it's someone, perhaps in a book, someone has described things in such a way or or uh, a teacher, whether it's me or anyone has described something in such a way that you're magnetized into that. And so it's just the, the feeling of that you're on the edge of getting, you're on the edge of getting uh, dependent origination. You're on the edge of getting this, the way uh, the ego works to shut something down rather than actually see what it is. Or the way that grasping, we're beginning to see that the way grasping is actually um, empowering some kind of assumption about a self who wants something else. So we see that and we begin to learn that or understand that. Uh, it's seductive to want to go into that further. And so there's nothing wrong with it. But seeing the seduction is just as important as uh, what is being seduced and what is doing the seducing. Junchu bowing. Junchu. Is there anything we can do that does not reinforce illusion or ignorance? Meditate. Have to do a lot of it. In other words, pull the pull the plug on the food processor mind that's chattering constantly and grinding this and grinding that and spitting this out and taking this in, whatever. Metaphor only goes so far. But hold still, sit down, hold still, and watch the movement. I'm sure you noticed, uh, or maybe not, but more than likely you have noticed when you, the less you do, the more you see about the nature of your mind and you see uh, about the distressing way in which thoughts kind of take over. They might take over in such a way that is not that difficult. It might be a way in which may not be that particularly threatening and then depends on the person and the timing and, and all the other considerations all the situations that come and go uh it could be really really difficult to sit down and hold still and watch what moves some of the meditation approaches are are actually meant to help you stay there for as long as possible so they'll give you things to do i what i give you to do is watch what moves i don't necessarily recommend that you pick out something that's fairly stationary or and watch that or something that has some kind of a pulsating rhythm to it like the breath and watch that you could and, and you might uh, if you if you follow the instructions as i talk about them and, and many others talk about them just watch the movement if you do that um you might watch the breath for a while you might watch the uh, or you might observe or receive the sound of birds in the trees or uh, someone next door starting up a, a snowblower. It could be all kinds. Of, there's no, the fastening down on anything gives the illusion of training the mind when actually it's uh, it's just a deliberate uh, ignorance of everything else. I'm not trying to correct anybody, anybody's meditation practice or any meditation teacher. You should, uh, if you feel more engaged uh, with uh, practicing in a different way, then go ahead, do that. I'm just saying that I've done quite a few different kinds of meditation. This seems to be the one that actually is radical. Um, not that in ancient cultures, it wasn't necessary to take um, three or 4,000 15-year-olds in ancient India, which it 
it looks like it that was what was happening and give them something to do rather than just watch what moves follow the breath or close the eyes and scan this this is a just a, it's a softer more accommodating way of working with the mind but um not interested in promoting that she show Carl's question, uh, is, it, uh, is it worthwhile or valuable to remind ourselves of the uh, dependent co-origination when we either have a feeling of control or lack of control? You could. You could just touch on it. I wouldn't hammer away at it, but you could just touch on that. That's why we have uh, that's why we have those conceptual teachings. So the conceptual description of what this ultimate situation is, is still a conceptual description. So you can't just, as it says in the 30 verses where uh, Vasubandhu uh, is basically saying, I, I can't, maybe you can even remember the, uh, the line in there where he's saying, just being able to think about this doesn't mean that you can, um, that you know what it is, that you know what uh, our consciousness only is or, it doesn't just because you can think about it, but that, that being said, we still need to we need, still need to have some reminders. This is why, like it teaches seven points of mind training, all the fifty nine slogans there. You know, some of those are kind of geared towards a, a different time, a medieval uh, time uh, when society was different. Might have been a good approach, and then uh, and then other ones uh, ha have more of a contemporary feeling to them, where we can possibly use them. <clears throat> as a as a slogan like uh you know uh, work on the work on the greatest defilement first so there's that might be very workable and helpful for one or two people or three or ten people but probably not for everyone so the greatest defilement might mean you don't get to the cushion enough <laughs> work on that one i mean you just it, which is basically what laziness uh, because if you have if you don't have if you have the inspiration to practice and you don't seem to get to it, then I, I don't know what else there would be some kind of some, maybe some other word would work better for you personally, but it's somewhere in that, uh, that area of, uh, of just lethargy or just, just running out of energy to go and practice. This is why we have the forms. So that might be an area, you know, you like the slogans, uh, like, I say, don't do anything unless you have to. It's kind of a slogan. Uh, and that's meant to help you not take your uh, apparent or uh, illusory control away from you. I'm just saying less, probably less is going to be better. If you, if you think you have to do something, then, you know, look closely and see if you absolutely have to do that. Even, even meditation practice. I tell people, whenever I like everyone to meditate, I think it's a good idea, but but it might not be time for you to do this. So it might be better to um, not meddle with someone else and allow them to work with their own mind and maybe six months, maybe six years from now, maybe six lifetimes from now, <clears throat> they will see that it might be a good idea to train my, train my mind to see more clearly rather than just believe in this or believe in that or think I can somehow get control of this. So I need to, if I can just get control of my, I can't control my feelings. I can't control. You need to get yourself under control. 
how many times you've heard that lecture. I certainly heard it a lot. <laughs> Control your temper. <laughs> well, tell me how to do that, and I'd be glad to work with you on that. Um, I could have said back to the person that said that to me, uh, Control your anger. <laughs> Probably would have, wouldn't have uh, won a prize. <laughs> I would have uh, probably uh, suffered some kind of reaction out of that. Had I said that. What arises in it, I think we need to talk about what's arising in it, but it's the awareness itself uh, that that is what we're endeavoring to uh, align ourselves with. Uh, even if it's the self-centeredness, rather than trying to control what's arising in it. That's why it's so damn difficult, because if we're sitting and we, we experience negativity, what do we want to do? The ego mind wants to control it. We want to, we want to stop it. Or, or we want to get the illusion of controlling it. There's a title. Uh, by thinking it co something caused it, that we can somehow track down and shut off or turn off. Maybe. Unlikely. And, and, and the... the thing the difficulty with is a circuit you find an off switch but then you have to keep going to the off switch all the time uh and what's being said here is let's find out what this actually is what is the anger uh, and that's difficult because sometimes if we do nothing with those dynamics they tend to get us into trouble we tend to say things we said that so sometimes i say Go ahead and experience the feeling, the texture of it, the stickiness, the gooiness, the bad odor of the of the negative emotion, but don't hook up your vocal cords. In other words, don't produce. That's the problem, that, that division between re reception, how this feels, and production. Why did you say that to me? Why did you do that? How many times have I told you? <laughs> I remember my mother saying, how many times have I told you something? And I remember actually starting to count, <laughs> uh, you know, when you're seven or eight years old, you're, you're pretty literal about stuff like that. But I knew better than the day to say back uh, something like uh, about three or 400 probably. <laughs> Bang. <laughs> I'm laughing now, of course. I didn't laugh at the time. But So it's about, it's the illusion of control. What I'm endeavoring to point out here is, is it's not that you shouldn't pick up the water glass. It's not that you shouldn't meditate. It's not that you shouldn't bring some kind of awareness to the thought process that can perhaps tamp it down or slow it down or control it on some level. But it's also very easy to jump into, uh, to abandon your awareness practice, practice and jump into looking for buttons and handles and levers to control things or who caused it? What ca Why do I feel like this? Why am I feeling this way? Not a good idea to ask that question. And I've said, I think years ago, I gave a series of talks on the what questions and the why question. And the why questions are, will, would just introduce you to the nature of uh, circularity. It's like walking into a, uh, except it's not very comfortable, but walking into a circus or a carnival where everything's going in circles and and then um, they charge you to go in circles charge you a fee to ride on a tilde whirl or a merry-go-round because that, that, that circularity is very, very seductive, even on a primitive level of like childhood or, or lack of sophistication. So we are, we get addicted to that, that 
success and failure and right and wrong and up and down. We get addicted to being a living being. So that's why we keep coming back. <laughs> How many times have you been here? At some point, you might say, I've never left. Yes. When one meditates, even if I see something, it seems like there's a lot more that's still hidden. How is all of that hidden stuff, um, how is looking at that not reinforcing something? So, uh, I can deconstruct that a little bit by uh, saying a couple of things. Uh, the way you're describing it, I'm saying the, the downside is you're, there's a lot of hidden stuff, but the upside is you're aware of this is a lot of hidden stuff. And your comment isn't what it is. It's just that it's hidden. That's awareness. And that's when I would say, as your meditation teacher is, just keep sitting. I, I might say sit more. I know you sit quite a bit already. But sit more. Sit down, hold still, watch what moves. And if uh, what is moving is uh, is the mind stream, is uh, the the thought process around what's hidden, what's not hidden, uh, insofar as you can, don't add. But if you do add, then just observe the addition. You might have to, you know, you're you're a young woman. You've only been meditating for what four years? I can't remember how how long you've been here, but three or four years, five years, I don't know. Takes it takes a while to do this, and I can tell you, you as far as I can tell, I'm not sitting next to you. Know, peeking inside your ear, but it looks to me like you're doing this correctly. <laughs> he was just checking to see if you had ears. <laughs> but it looks to me like you're doing it right. I, I, I'm, you know, I know you have some difficulty. Everyone does. There's a person here that I talk to personally that doesn't have some kind of uh, abrasive or difficult aspect of their consciousness arising. And it's uh, and which most people, it's so easy. Uh, it's so uh, this um, relative world is so uh, seductive. The, the mundane path is so seductive, in spite of all the the, the suffering that goes with it. That we quite often will just say, "I'm just not going to meditate. This is not working. The spiritual path doesn't work. I'm not getting anywhere. I think I'm just going to go back and uh, find a." Uh, you know, another kind of community or another kind of, uh, or go back to my family or go back to do, do something else. Or, you know, any number of things, take up uh, uh, belly dancing or uh, some other hobby. But coming down and sitting down and uh, holding still and watching and watching the, the, the attachment we have to everything, watch the attachment we have to being correct watch the, the way we try to get rid of the attachment by pushing on it or pulling on aggression. We have passion and then we have aggression and then we have passion and then we have ignoring, 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 and then aggression. Or then we have, wait, it just goes on. I needn't go into all kinds of descriptions. So it's about the awareness and the hidden quality, quality that you describe is the very nature of, of awareness. It's hidden. You can't find awareness. You only know about awareness by what arises in it. And you know more about the awareness 
the less you attach to what's in it or reject what's in it, which is another kind of attachment or distract yourself away from it. And sometimes what is arising uh, carries with it a lot of uh, uh, rough texture, a lot of difficulty, a lot of foul odors and, and just and fear. Scary stuff. And so insofar as you can sit down, use use the body mind, the body situation to sit down, hold still and just. Uh, I don't know what other word to use, but just be brave. Be brave. Just be be insistent that you're going to see this and whatever negativity comes up, you're going to since you've received the vow to be with all things to save all beings, you can do it on behalf of others. You don't have to you don't have to necessarily suddenly feel wonderful to be able to help start helping others. You can do them as at the same time. Just just observe, just observe the hiddenness and then observe that there's some aspect of that that starts to reveal itself and then it might turn away and, and go back into some kind of hiding again. Just as, as like. Um, um, Watching a mouse hole, you know, it's just you're, you're waiting for that to show up. Sometimes feels that way. Further questions? Shoto Bowing. There's a line in the four reminders that's coming up for me. The when death comes, I will be helpless. And I'm wondering, why is it? bad to die thinking that we have control. I don't know that I would call it bad. It's just more suffering because the, the, if, if you don't have some clarity when the body mind goes back into the elements, if you don't have some clarity about what this is and on some level, uh, some deep level, then the, the, the unexamined or ignored aspects of the consciousness, it seems, tend to go back into the into the mix and show, and then come back around again because of the nature of relative truth. Push on this, that happens. Push on that, that happens. Then this happens, and this happens. And it looks like separation. This is why it's sometimes said that if you if there's a turning around at the basis of this whole big collection, then there isn't anything else. The elseness is gone. The separation, the appearance of separation is still there. It might be even more vivid. Your, if you attain realization, your ego might be really highly uh, defined and show up with brilliant uh, clothing on. But it, it wouldn't have, uh, it, and it still may have some say so, but not much. Nice show, Nice show. What brings a bodhisattva back, Alan? What brings the bodhisattva back? Back. Yes. Uh, the the vow to be with all things, the vow to save all beings, and so. But no one, there's no personality that comes back. So you won't. You don't get to be a bodhisattva. Uh, yeah, in the, in the sense that we think we might, 
all of the all of the, the separations that show up as success and failure, right and wrong, up and down, and life and death start to start to lose their polarity. And this is why the ego mind is so frightened because it knows that it, it operates out of polarity. It operates out of success and failure. It operates out of materialism, psychological, spiritual. It's the mundane grasping and rejecting, even though we should be obvious if you look at it. Nobody lives uh, beyond a certain time, and everybody came out of nowhere. Well, no, you came out of your mother's womb, but then they came out of wombs, and then they came out of wombs. But if you actually look at it, we, we have no idea what this is. We have no idea at all. We have ideas about what it is, but we don't know what it is fundamentally. I can tell you what it is fundamentally. A couple of words. It's not separate. But that concept won't, won't you can't spend it. Uh, you can't, it has no has no currency. You have to see what this is truly for there to be some kind of deep understanding. So you say, I vow to be with all things. I vow, I vow to save all beings. I vow to put everyone. This, this is the vow that transcends karma. And what, what does that mean? I don't know. Ask me some questions about it. Then we'll both know. But it's, it's just traditionally talked about that way because Basically, what you're doing is you're stepping outside of your own, or you're endeavoring to. You received a vow, uh, that is, and that's kind of a promise, or it's kind of a I, I, I fully avow uh, all of the wrongdoing, and now I'm going to receive the vow to save people, put others before myself. That's not that's not easy to do. That put others before yourself. How about me? How about me? Well, we're not saying that you have to ignore what you need. Of course, you don't need to do that. You still need to eat and sleep and take care of yourself. Or you're not going to be able to help anybody. And that help to other people may show up as just stop meddling with them. That help for other people may be stop accusing them. Even if they're actually doing something in your mind's eye that you think is incorrect or wrong or should be scolded or corrected. <coughs> Excuse me. Less is better. You haven't done anything wrong if you somebody does something and irritates you and you get upset or yell at them or let them know that you're angry. There's nothing, nothing wrong about that. You just got sucked into, into relative truth. You get sucked into thinking that relative truth, that you need to go in and uh, put your two cents worth in there. And just because someone receives a vow uh, doesn't mean they're going to say, for instance, and I show you, you received uh, Bodhisattva vows. Uh, there's no there's no guarantee that you're that you're uh, will ever come back here again. This, the beings that you may be saving may be uh, in another dimension altogether. Just like the dimensions we deal with. Uh, deep sleep, uh, being awake, uh, dreams, and what's the other one? Oh, yeah, that's right, the casino. <laughs> it's actually the intermediate, intermediate state of the bardo. And, then, you know, there probably are more of them. Those are, I think those are pretty classical ways of talking about it. And so my motivation to talk to you about this is to 
um, is to, like I like I've said many times, I, I don't know what it is, but I see it. And if I were going to describe it, I'd say it's not separate. There's no two things anywhere. And it's actually, it's not even an experience any more than my, um, my tongue in my mouth is an experience. It's my tongue. It's, there's no coming and going of that experience. My awareness may, may be out here in the world or might, might go to my tongue or my awareness may go to what, what I've been training myself to see for decades is what's moving. And that, that may be my thought patterns and the thought patterns can be strange or ugly or, or aggressive or whatever. I, I don't care. I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not concerned about what is arising in the mind anymore. It's called the, the pain of the composite. What I'm talking about here is nothing you believe. I, I'm not, I constantly say don't believe anything I'm saying. But if you're listening to me, most important thing is to use the structures that we've set up, that I've set up, that you've helped me set up, that we've done together as a community. And we're, we're doing this moment with this particular kind of gathering. And we do on the... Uh, it's uh, the, the Open Heart Project is starting to become quite a community also because it's been happening five days a week, just about since last uh, April, April, I guess, I'm getting to know everyone well. So all, all we're really, it's not any fancy club, nothing to join, but it's something where if somebody wants this, then uh, the, the three aspects of this, the Buddha, the teaching person, what is being taught, and the community seem to be pretty much indispensable. Uh, even though that might be going a little bit far, but seem to be very helpful and and encouraging us because I talked to all of you enough to know that you that that what you're going through is difficult and challenging, and uh, I've been through quite a bit of that. Otherwise, I couldn't do this. I, I've yet to meet someone. Not that I'm feeling what you're feeling, but I've yet to meet someone that is uh, helpless. That you know is just. Hopeless, they're never going to understand what this is. That's why I say train your mind, spend some time, sit down, hold still, watch the movement, find out who you are. So there's no doubt. Further questions? Teresa Belling. Teresa. What does it mean to transcend karma? Belling. Well, the karma is still uh, happening. The karma is still showing up and disappearing and turning left and turning right and painting itself blue and it's still happening, but there's no, per there's no person. So there's, there's no one left who is at the mercy of the karma. Uh, that's the first part of it. So it's called emptiness. And then the second part of it is uh, that which has been seen is not separate from what is, uh, what one is seeing. So there's no separation between even the dependent origination is beginning to uh, lose its uh, indictment. It's like nothing happened. Jun Shibali. There's a question from She Gets. Very good. She gets. How do we 
choose to come back as human beings? Bowing. It's it's choiceless. It's dependently arisen. You may come back, may not. If you see what this is, you won't care what you do. You really won't care with you because wherever, where, whatever occurs, uh, is not separate from the vow. That's why it's such a powerful thing. I mean, think of this as come come from thousands of years ago. It's amazing. Further questions? You have a question? I was just reflecting on Chagetz's question. It's like, is there a checklist at our next to our bed when yeah. we die that says, okay, to be yeah. I want yeah. I want to, and do we get to pick the kind of human we come back? Yeah. I want to come back as a girl. I want to be taller. <laughs> I want to, I want to come back. Yeah. I can see why you'd want to be taller. Yeah. I want to come back as a girl. I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> Did we get to choose to come here in the first place? Well, you could you could say that. And I often say that. Go look in the mirror and tell me, tell me, you think you have some say-so about something. How did this happen? Well, why are you born looking this way? And where'd you get these ears from? And wouldn't you like bigger ones? And and what did you, you didn't choose your mom or your dad? Uh, whatever, but you know, if you <clears throat> if you go into deep consciousness, then the the stories that arise in, in working in the intermediate state as an active uh, <coughs> excuse me <coughs> concept communication. So you may find all kinds of stories. The, may find my fa- may find aspects of the uh, deeper consciousness that function just like like the consciousness here, only it's in a deeper state. So, meet things where they're at. Meet everything where it's at, if you can. And then there isn't anything that you can't not only help, but also respect and, and stop meddling with. It's a, it's a it's a very simple understanding, but it's profound because you no longer are uh, in charge of anything, nor are you in, endeavoring to control anything. So whatever's arising might even be the wish to control something, but you don't mind having that because you're you're all through being at the mercy of any kind of energy that is uh, destructive or controlling. You're all through with that, and, and you might have to you you might have to receive that and receive that and receive that. If you if you receive these vows, don't do it. Don't do it uh, just uh, to, like you're joining a club. It's not about that. And you can't give these vows back. The refuge vow, you can kind of ignore that, but not the bodhisattva vow. So don't do it unless you have to. <clears throat> Senshu bowing. Hi. There's a desire to protect, <laughs> uh, the desire to control. Only if it's roomy. <laughs> Yes, it, it could be. It could be, but that you could you you could say, uh, and the the idea of the bodhisattva who is endeavoring to put others before 
herself, she might, it might feel like she's got to protect people. So it might be some kind of controlling, but it's just like uh, functioning as a mother, which you're, you're a mother and you, you notice that there's something about that that is different than before you became a mother. There's something about your child, you know, that's different, that it's the controlling. Sometimes I'm a mother. There's something about your child, you know, that's different, that it's the controlling. Sometimes somebody else needs help. And of course they need the help, but it's dependently arisen. And you get to watch this and help this, but all you have to do is protect. It's not so much control. Uh, I mean, there's a controlling action to it, just like there's a controlling action to making Mexican sweet sweet rolls, which I don't know how to do, but I, I've watched someone do that many, many times. Her. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. It's a good thing because they're full of sugar. So I'm being silly here, but I'm just saying that just be, observe the way you're doing that. And, and we've talked about this a little bit before as a, a, a fundamental thing the young person from danger, uh, but don't get in the way of their, if you can, don't get in the way of their being genuine to with whatever they're running into. <clears throat> more about that is good if you have it, or more about anything. We have a little bit of time left. It seems like sometimes the negativity seeps out of form in ways other than speech. Is not hooking up our vocal cords the best we can do? So, so that particular way is because uh, uh, so, once you start saying something, if there's other people around listening, or if you're even if you're doing it in a room by yourself, it kind of manifest kind of manifests the whole thing. So then it, it just then the causes and conditions that arise out of that just seem to be more, uh, more solid, I guess. Uh, it's not that you don't have causes and conditions that are arising out of, out of your emotions and your feelings, even when you're not hooking up your vocal cords, it's just, uh, hold, hold still as much as you can. And that's one way of doing it. Don't, don't produce, just receive. So the whole producing and receiving area as a, uh, most people are ignoring that. Uh, most people don't, even people who are meditators are, it depends on the technique, depends on their, on the teacher, but depends on so much, but receive as much as you can. And then, and then doing that, then you need to you will. Uh, and, and yes, uh, to go back to your question, you are doing some more workable, and it's more respectful. Uh, sometimes I'll walk by somebody that I know is having a difficult time, and I can feel that. Not that I'm particularly sensitive, but I can feel they're having a hard, hard time with it. They're just not saying anything about it. Uh, I may ask them about it, or, or I may just uh, I may ask them about it, or, or I may just uh, mind my own business and not say anything. Let them deal with their negativity. More about that, uh, Giozan, if you had it. If, if I missed your the import of your question. Another couple, thank you. Thank you. 
should we going? Yes, sir. Kind of like with Senchu's question, but uh, I'm thinking of the context in the context of um, looking at the quarantine situation and how it shows up in the monastery. Um, with the kid, it seems to make sense that we might need to be more protective than the kid realizes is necessary. But when we're dealing with other adults, um, may we have to do what looks like control? Um, let me try to paraphrase that. Yes. If we're in the role of authority, like to try to protect protecting how people feel like oh. they need to relate to the situation. Oh, absolutely. People are, people are going to uh, take whatever you do and they're going to think about how that looks. You, you can't help it. So again, to, you know, just to be more clear maybe about this, I'm not saying about you can't control stuff or don't control or mind your own business all the time. It's there are times if you're, if you're basically keep your hands in your pocket, uh, then there are going to be times when you need to reach out. But if that's, if you're working it with your awareness, then the causes and conditions that are, are there, then you begin to work in harmony with dependent origination as an aspect that is, it may feel very personal to someone who, who's, uh, who has, doesn't have mind training or has very little, <coughs> or they have areas of that that are still very unclear. And there's a lot of um, confusion going on there. But if you if you do nothing unless you have to, then at some point, if you just watch the situation, eventually you have to do something about it. It's choiceless. But if you don't, uh, when I say when I say don't do anything unless you have to, I'm not saying ignore it. You must respect the condition. This doesn't mean agree with it. It's difficult because they can play. So, like in the. You, you, Example of the COVID's less contact with other people is pretty good. It's 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 kind of a for as far as issues or problems socially, it's probably the ideal thing for a monastery. We we we've been socially isolating for twenty five hundred years. You know, back stay away from the confusion of the marketplace, and sit down, hold still, see the fundamental nature of the mind that we just take for granted that we're human beings. We are not. We're, we're manifesting this way, but who we are is not particularly human, nor is it something else. Find out your true nature and then, and what? Begin to enjoy your life, even the difficult areas of it. Can we work with that harmony of dependent origination when we're still functioning out of our preferences and feelings? Uh, it begins to happen when you, when you're, and you also, aren't able to come in and actually just allow them to be what they are. You're kind of caught on a hook there. And I would say that that's, this is called uh, the path. That's, that's what it feels like to build this raft. It's, it's difficult. And each person uh, uh, needs to approach it with their own bundle of hopes and fears and, and, and uh, various, various ways that karma from past lives just to have a way of talking about it. I don't know if there's past lives or not. Probably something that we would call that if we knew more about it. Maybe someday we will know more. Uh, but anytime you know more, it's in terms of information. The kind of knowing I'm talking about is wisdom. 
There's no information in wisdom. This is when you when you probably heard it before that everything um, what was in the Sargadatta Maharaj said uh, all knowledge is ignorance. It takes a little while to contemplating that to realize what he's saying. He's not he's trying not trying to do away with uh, with medicine or nuclear physics or anything else. He's just saying that if you know something, you have to ignore everything else. sometimes called limited knowledge. What is unlimited knowledge? Find out. Find out. You can do it. You can do this. This is what I was told. Did I do anything? I have no idea. Part of the territory. Further questions? How the confusion in our minds uh, is different from the confusion at the marketplace. Um, well, the confusion in the marketplace is uh, is uh, seductive. The confusion in the mind is seductive. <clears throat> but in the market, but in the marketplace, because the body is in motion, uh, the 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 reality of that is extremely intense. So therefore, we we are called into pushing on this and pulling on that, and someone threatens us, and we threaten them back, and then we. We're hungry, and so we need this or need that. We need food, or I mean, it's just a, it's just hooked up with the whole body mind complex, which, uh, uh, which it, um, is uh, is not separate from the mind, not separate from, not separate, not not separate. And so when we sit down and hold still, then the very confusion we're experiencing in the marketplace, it, another version of that happens in the consciousness. But by doing that, then the then the awareness or the space in which that occurs, uh, it starts to become more clear what is actually happening. We're actually beginning to see the fundamental nature of the mind. This is where teachings like uh, Vasubandhu, if you read read that, or if you read the the, the teachings of uh, the Yogacara teachings on the eight consciousnesses, that breaks things down. If you read the teachings on the five skandhas, form, feeling perception, concept of the thinking process, and the six sense fields and their objects or consciousness. Looking at that and breaking that down conceptually uh, helps us see that this is all manufactured. This is dependently arisen, and there's no one there. There's no, there's no being there. It's a, it's an, but it's a discovery that meditators down through the centuries have, have discovered using that that structure, just like using the 12 links on the chain of existence is another kind of structure that says, this is the way it happens. Um, you're born, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, and then you die. And then you're born again, and then this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, and then you die. Simply put. So it's, it's different in that you... You can't really train yourself if you're in the marketplace. All you can do is buy stuff or sell stuff. But in your mind, you can actually watch the purchasing part of the mind and you can watch the grasping without reifying it with the movement of the body, with the actual physical doing that. This is why I teach, if you've, any of you have seen the, or <coughs> listen to me talk about, uh, <coughs> excuse me, about um, a four hour block sitting. Watch what moves. That includes getting up and going. To watch the body get up off the 
cushion or off the chair and walk to the kitchen or walk and look out. And remember, you are in uh, uh, a meditation, a four-hour block set or meditation section. We use the concept to build a container so you can watch what moves. Interestingly enough, some people in a block set can just sit down and sit there for four hours. That does not mean they're enlightened. That means they're what they're working with is a different nature than others. You know, quite often, all of the macho stuff that, that the Zen tradition or the Tibetan tradition lays on people comes out of past centuries. We don't have to do that. We can actually respect people. People are all confused in different ways. We can meet them where they're at. Some people are ready to meditate. Some people are not. Some people are ready to or can sit down and do block sitting and you can j- just sit there for the whole time. It does not, it's not a credential. Um, it's not even a credential to do more block sets than anybody else. Although, don't I pay people when they do that? Yeah, I, I send you Monopoly money. <laughs> a, a dollar for every block set. No, it's just valuable to hold very still, hold as much still as you can without without warfare. It makes sense. And then, then if the warfare, you know, the tension or the control thing of ego wants to come up and get a credential, I controlled myself. I stayed there the whole time. I'm very disciplined or whatever it may be. You may not be saying that. But I would say, no, uh, stay there as much as you can without struggle. But if a struggle shows up, then move the body and then but as soon as you can move right back you'll find that you'll spend a lot more time on the cushion that way than you will uh if you struggle with it because if you struggle with it you just won't block set you just won't do it because it's too frustrating so meet meet everything where it's at it's that's difficult if you've not met yourself where you're at it's going to be difficult to meet not only everyone else uh, but any other negativity that shows up in the world, including coronavirus. Maria Bowing, thank you. Um, does having clarity about confusion affect the confusion in any way? Bowing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it it can't get any the confusion can't get any uh uh can't get any nutrition or any any energy from just consciousness, just awareness. So that doesn't mean that it's not hooked into other areas that perhaps you you are not so clear about. But you have to start somewhere. So start with, uh, uh, in my situation, I started with intense uh, anger and depression. With with an intention, I'm gonna I'm gonna see what this is. Junchu, go ahead. There's a question on YouTube from Zach. Okay. Can you speak on the interaction between materialism and the illusion of control? So materialism, it's a pretty broad question, but it's the illusion that we can, we somehow can, you know, get our shit together. So there's an illusion that we can, if we just keep working, we're going to somehow, and society and culture is always ready to buy into that with you and say, yeah, you can do this. You can, 
and I'm, don't misunderstand, I'm not against people going to college or getting a degree or starting a business or all, you could do all of that. The only thing I would say is train your mind too. So uh, I don't know if I can speak to it. I'm just saying it's seeing, uh, seeing the illusion uh, takes uh, mind training, a lot of sitting meditation, but there's still your particular relationship to what we're calling may show up uh, differently than someone else. So, but there, there's no, I'll say it as clearly as I can. There's nothing to correct. Nobody's doing anything wrong. Good and evil are just, just you know, very, very harmful and very not, not useful ways of working with anybody, whether it's other human beings or right and wrong, good and, you know, who's got the best meditation practice or have no interest in that at all. Somebody recently asked me, uh, through through a text, asked me if I had permission to, from the Soto, I guess Soto Shu, to even uh, establish the order of immediate light. And uh, of course, I said no. <laughs> They're gonna let me do that. So, yes. Are we done? We're done. Okay. Huh? We can dedicate the merit. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. May the merit of this penetrate to all places so that we in every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Pajna Paramita. The Buddhas and Bodhisattvas live in direction three times. Please hear us. Please come down that the light protects Sokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery. Our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors, heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with life.